Chapter Twenty Seven of Tom Playfair or Making a Start by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Twenty Seven Death. It was ten o'clock of the following day. Tom's raving had gradually lessened. As the hours wore on, he became quiet, till at length, for the first time since the eventful Thursday, he fell asleep. His life is saved, said the doctor, but the danger to his mind is not yet over. All now lies in the hands of God. So much the more reason for our praying, said James. Come on, boys, he continued, addressing his three friends. Let us take heaven by storm. Morning waned into afternoon. Afternoon shaded into night, and still Tom slumbered. Standing about his bed, Mr. Middleton, Mrs. Aldine, and the three boys anxiously watched the face of the sleeper. A little after eight in the evening, Tom's breathing changed. He opened his eyes. All stood with bated breath, awaiting his first words. After gazing about vacantly for some seconds, he stretched out his arms, gave a low sigh, and said, Good gracious, I'm all broken up. There was a smile upon every face. The tone was so natural, so like Tom. Tom, old boy, don't you know me? cried Harry, unable to restrain himself. I rather think I do. Why shouldn't I? But what's the matter with you all? I'm not a museum, am I? You're all staring at me so. And where in the world am I? And what's the matter with my head? It feels as light as a balloon. Do you know, Tommy, said Mr. Middleton, that you've been sick for several days? Very sick indeed. Let me think, said Tom, passing his hand over his brow. We were out hunting, and when we came to the place where poor Jimmy was stabbed, we, we, what did we do anyhow? Did I fall down? And did that man try to murder me? And what's become of Jimmy? Here I am, Tom, cried James, who was sitting up in his bed and literally brimming over with joy. I'm all right, and so are you. You brought that murderer to jail, don't you remember? What, what did I do? Tom inquired. Well, well. Listen, said Harry, and with no little astonishment, Tom heard his famous adventure narrated. Well, well, dear me, he said at the conclusion. It may be all true, but there's one little question I'd like to ask. Ask away, said Harry cheerfully. Well, I'd like to know if I was there when I did all that. All laughed at the serial comic way in which Tom put this query. In truth, his question, under the circumstances, was not extraordinary. Nor is Tom the only one who has been puzzled by the mystery of his own identity. Tom, said Mrs. Aldine, when the invalid had heard a full account of his recent doings, don't you know me? N no, ma'am, he answered with a blush as he encountered the sweet eyes of a refined lady fixed upon him. While you were sick, you took me for your mamma, and indeed, if the love and gratitude of one who is not the sacred name of mother can supply her place, I shall do it. I am the mother of James Aldine whom you so bravely rescued. And stooping down, Mrs. Aldine tenderly kissed the little boy, as though, indeed, she were his mother. To say that Joe, Harry, and Willie were happy is the mildest possible way of expressing their sentiments. They were beside themselves. Their joy was threatening to develop into uproariousness, when the infirmarian very wisely ordered them to their respective dormitories. From that night Tom's improvement was rapid. He soon outstripped James in the race for health. While Tom bustled in and out of the infirmary, James kept his bed, his wound healing, with his cheeks growing thinner and paler day by day. I say, Jimmy, said Tom, about one week from the date of the crisis, 
why don't you eat a decent meal i'm not hungry tom that's no way to do eat anyhow you're getting thinner all the time i know it tom and what is more i believe i shall never be well again nonsense humbug said tom sturdily though his cheeks blanched as he spoke i do believe it tom and i have reason the doctor of late looks troubled he complains that the wound isn't healing fast enough and mamma knows that i am in danger for her face grows very sad when she thinks i am not looking at her and once after she had spoken with the doctor i saw her cry but don't think tom that i am anxious to live i had rather die for i am ready should i live dear tom the day might come when i should fall into some mortal sin so far god has been so good to me he has given me a holy pious mother and very dear good friends he pressed tom's hand as he said this and by his grace has kept me out of all dangerous occasions so i am happy at the thought of dying now well jim said tom with a tear starting to his eyes i know you are ready and i do wish i was as good as you you've got the makings of an angel but you mustn't die i shall lose my dearest friend no no indeed you won't answered james earnestly please god i shall be your friend in another world i would be of little use here but there i am sure i could help you far better and tom i am not sorry to die for another reason i don't think i could ever be happy here below i fret about things so easily the least thing worries me yes that's so admitted tom you do fret about things i'm not that way myself toward evening mr aldine who had been east on business arrived at the college bringing with them tousle tousle entered the sick-room dancing with joy but on seeing his brother so pale and thin he sobered very much poor dimmy is sick said the child running his fingers through james hair where's the wet on your cheeks dimmy somebody whitewashed me was the answer but tousle was not convinced in december james was so weak that he was unable to leave his bed tom had been about his class duties for several weeks but whenever he was free he spent his time at the sufferer's side as the boy drew nearer the grave his spirit seemed to draw closer to god at times the light of sanctity flickered upon his face such a light as nothing but exquisite purity and exalted holiness can enkindle nor was tom idle christmas was to be the day of his first communion with all his resolute will he applied himself to prepare for this august moment many an hour would he spend with james speaking of the dearest of all miracles the miracle of our saviour's ineffable love at night too he would kneel long by his bed praying for love and grace and the boys began to remark that instead of the dying saint tom had arisen in his stead it was the eve of the great day just before retiring for the night tom repaired to the infirmary to pay a last visit to his friend the wan face of james almost glowed with joy at his approach oh tom i am so glad to see you he said for i want to tell you the news to-morrow tom as you go to holy communion for the first time i shall be receiving the last sacraments of the church tom was not dismayed he had long expected this news that is good he said and i shall offer up all my communion for you thank you tom you are too good but i wish now to tell you something else do you know why i expected to die from so long ago why asked tom because when you were so sick i prayed and prayed night and day that if it might be god should take my life and spare yours i knew you would be of some use in the world tom but i would do little so tom you must try to do your work and mine too and that you know is little enough tom was weeping i am very glad to die pursued james at first when i prayed to god 
I was a little afraid of being heard, for I had hoped, Tom, to live long enough to be a priest, and to touch with my poor hands our Saviour himself. I intended to give my life to God, but God has come to take it before I can give it. Tom was still weeping. Mama, said James, as his mother came up and laid her hand beside her darling boy's cheek, I know you do not refuse to give me up to God. No, my darling, if I loved you a thousand times more, he should have you. I'm so glad, Mama. Tomorrow will be Christmas. Wouldn't it be nice were I to die then? Then you would give me to God on the very day God gave himself to you. Tom was returning from the communion table, his heart beating in unison with the heart of his sweet master, his radiant soul in the life-giving embraces of her spouse. How the minutes flew as he knelt in earnest communion with his loving Jesus. He was a saint that morning, one of those little children whose souls are the glory of the sacred heart. How long, how fervent had been his preparation. But Tom now thanked God for the delay. His soul had been purified by trial. And now that the probation was over, Tom felt that he had been in God's hands. It was truly his day of days. Thanksgiving over, he hastened to the infirmary. As he entered the room, Mrs. Aldine's sobs broke upon his ear. He hastened to the bedside, but the gracious eye of welcome was closed forever. A sweet expression, ineffably sweet, lingered upon the child's face, as though the body itself had, for one last moment, shared in the happiness of a liberated spirit. My God, murmured Tom from the fullness of his heart, as he threw himself on his knees beside the body, Jimmy offered himself for me. Let me take his place in life. If it be your will, my God, I from this day give myself entirely to your work. End of chapter 27 Recording by Maria Therese